Single Simulcast is about a lot of things. This podcast may make you laugh, cry, or pound your fists into your desk. If you hear something you like or something you don't, leave a voicemail at 916-572-9016 or email us at singlesimulcast at gmail.com. One. Single. Simulcast. This is good. <laughs> no, no, but I was just saying, like, it is like the standard is whiteness. And I think as a people, there's a segment of us that do not gravitate towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I feel like as far as toxic masculinity and the whole topic of it all is that Black men are being held accountable. Mm-hmm. And no one... I'm trying to really clean this up. But no one cries more than Black men when it comes to accountability. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. That's one thing they have in common with white women. And I believe (laughs) it was Stephanie Sunshine who said this today in my group. Shout out to her from Mocha Minutes. Um, She really made the connection that, you know, while white women have weaponized their tears, it seems like Black men have weaponized their race. And that mm. black, listen, when she said that shit, the light bulb went off for me. And I was like, that really sums it up perfectly because, you know, for a minute, you know, for a while we've been saying black men want to be like white men, which in a sense is true. Mm-hmm. They, they pattern themselves after them in certain ways. And they don't understand that it's toxic to the community because it does not help us. Right. You see, the white man's structure is to be a patriarchy. And if you aspire to that, there's going to be a conflict because black women, it's not that we want to be a matriarchy. We're just saying we're not fucking with the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Sure. So there is a thought, there's a conscious thought in the black community that certain black people have and then certain black people do not. And it's like this. You know how we talk about when we were younger, we were like, when I grow up, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I ain't going to do this and I ain't going to do that because that's messed up. But for some odd reason, we grow to turn to our parents in some form. And we do carry certain uh, things, traits, toxic habits, practices that, yes, those things may have been necessary for the time back then. Mm-hmm. Some of our practices and our mindsets do need to be updated and refreshed as we progress. Mm-hmm. Meaning we know now, like there are some black people, they, it's okay now before we never talked about not spanking our kids, but it's like, we know, like, listen, we, we may talk about it. We know some of our ass whoopings were just a little too much, but we are working to be a little bit more gentle with our children. Mm-hmm. I know black people who don't spank their kids and it's not, and now it's not as taboo to say. Sure. So I think, you know, for some of us, we may be a little ahead of the curve because we've been in this space a little longer. And there are some African-Americans who are starting to catch up. Mm -hmm. But then there are a certain segment of African-Americans that are just not going to change. Yeah. And -hmm. it's starting to get to a point now where, yes, the line is, is a lot starker. And you see it, like it, 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 you could you pick it up immediately. Like once a person starts talking and they start saying things that are problematic, you know, you have a reaction now. You cringe, you're like, ooh, like, ah, like don't say that. Like, or like, I don't feel comfortable listening to you say that because 
you know, it puts me in a position where, you know, it, it may test your allyship. Mm-hmm. And yes, it may, you know, put you in the position where you don't want to go at your friend, but the more and more we think about it, the more and more we know about it, we're not afraid to challenge each other on this. And I think we probably have to continue doing that. And the truth is, is that change is difficult. It doesn't happen overnight. People really do, you know, you really do have to meet people where they're at sometimes. But as far as like men, you know, the truth is, is that they're really starting to be held accountable in a way in society that they've never had to be held accountable for before. Mm-hmm. And you see it play out in dynamics amongst yourselves, like what you were talking about earlier. Um, like where if you try to take the mature approach as a man in certain situations, now you're gay or you're soft or, you know, like that's not how we do things. And it's like, well, wait a minute. All I'm trying to do is communicate and use my words. You know what I'm saying? So like, if it's a problem, then, you know, like, let's do that rather than there be ill will or bad blood, mm-hmm. you know, but for some people, like, even as women, like, you know, you even have to gauge, like, you know what, she ain't even worth it. She's not going to receive what I have to say. You, know, you can't cast your pearls before swine. And I think with everything that's been happening and all the, the topics that have been going on, it just seems like, I feel like we're at a head now where there is a shift, if you will, in the culture. And I think that as African-Americans, this is a great time for us because we know what it's like to be offended. But what I'm finding is that is what I'm concerned about and I'm comfortable with in my people is I feel like there are way too many African-Americans that are comfortable with siding with white supremacists. Not just necessarily like white people, but like you're siding with actual white supremacists and white supremacy. And you don't get that. But it's like on the, it's like speaking with a forked tongue. On the one hand, you got that blackity black shit coming out your mouth. But on the other hand, it's like, well, if you listen to what you're saying, like you sound like them. And, and that's the part where it's just like, the line is being drawn and you know it's because it's like you can't there's no such thing as halfway crooks like you and you out and i don't even know how we really got on that topic but that's (laughs) (laughs) works for me single simulcast episode 347 shante's here uh i'm rashani and that voice you just heard right there is uh the one the only cook uh from the highly inappropriate podcast um cook you want to tell them about the show now or you want to wait till we close out um either way the floor is yours wife get out thank you guys that's so nice thank you (laughs) um listen guys it's me cook um, I'm going to make this brief because I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about some really good things tonight. Mm-hmm. But as you heard, it's highly inappropriate now. That's the brand, that's the squad, it's the set, it's the click. Um, you can catch me. I'm working on changing over my links, y'all, first and foremost. So unfortunately, you do have to listen to me on Podomatic. But I'm working on getting iTunes updated. Stitcher is updating. And um, your RSS feeds should be updating. I've already put in a call. 
<laughs> Y'all listen, I'm, I'm solo now, but we, we, we keep it going. But no, real talk, you can catch me on those channels once a week. And um, you can catch me, you know, out here in these uh, internet streets every now and then. And that's that's it. It's highly inappropriate, hosted by Cook Simmons. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I watched Sticks and Stones today. Ooh. I feel like that's a good Ooh. like uh, having a really good segue into this. Ooh. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Cook, did you watch it? Because I didn't. Did you watch it? Yeah, I did actually. Okay. I I I watched it, but I it. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Am, I go ahead. Go ahead. Am I the only one whose mindset is? His best show that he ever did was Killing Me Softly. You're not wrong. That's okay. what it feels like. I mean, I haven't watched like any of the Netflix stuff or or anything because part there was a part of me as you know when Dave came back, it was kind of just like oh, I don't know if I really want to sit and listen to Dave. And this is before he even said, really said anything out the way. It was just like oh, I'm not really feeling it. You know, I'm not really worried about it. And then you know the reviews come in and it's just like oh man, I made a good choice because no, <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, no, I mean he's done stuff uh, like he did. Oh, okay. So is this his third Netflix special? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The very first one I enjoyed, I believe. It was the second one. No wait. He no wait. The first one came out. It was like two specials, right? No, the first one was a singular singular one. The second one was two specials. Got it. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. Right. Either way, I've seen them all. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, Killing Me Softly was like when he was at his best, like right before he did Chappelle's show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, it felt like he was when he did Chappelle's show, he was unstoppable. <laughs> he couldn't do no wrong. Yep. And yeah, yeah, and I don't know. Maybe did, I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's something just didn't translate for me. Is what I felt like when I watched it, the and I was I, sad. You too. <laughs> I wanted. I look. I got half baked sitting on my shelf. I have the mm-hmm. Chappelle show sitting on my bottom shelf. I have Killing Me Softly. Literally, y'all, check this out. I have a problem with listening to comedy and not watching comedy because a lot of comedy is facial expressions, actions, uh, just what they're doing as they're saying the joke sometimes makes the joke. And so I couldn't listen to, like, on Sirius Satellite Radio, I couldn't listen to Kevin Hart Station too much because I can't see the comedy. I have to be able to envision it in order to see what they're doing because a lot of times they'll pause and the laughter keeps going because they're doing something else that continues to joke. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? You miss that. It's lost in translation. With that said, I have a copy of Killing Me Softly on CD. Mm -hmm. I went on one of those old school uh things it, it may have been LimeWire, and i downloaded it and i listened to it like dang near every day i loved i love that comedy routine mm-hmm. i was watching sticks and stones and i was watching it while i was at work um and about halfway through two things happened to me one, I realized I hadn't laughed yet. 
And I, and, and I can tell you, because I wrote it down so I can remember, I didn't laugh until there were 16 minutes left in the actual show. And Cook, it was that point where he was talking about uh, the, the deer and, and the, the birds. Uh, the deer, the buckshot, and the birdshot. Mm-hmm. And I found that while I was listening to this show, while I was watching this show, I'm starting to type. You know, I'm starting to read stuff on the computer. I'm starting to do work. I'm starting to do all these other things. And 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 I I realized that it wasn't just that the stuff that he was saying was, I'm just going to see how much I can rile y'all up. It didn't move me. Mm. Dave used to move me. And now this was just like, it was, I understand now when folks are saying that this stuff is, is lazy. Like it was boring. Like it felt like it wasn't made to make me laugh. It was made to make him feel better down the line when he watched this on Netflix again, like 10 years from now. And people are still at his throat. Well, okay. So here's the thing. People are going to talk because we're not comedians, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. I'm not a comedian. Um, I am a comedy fan. My show is called Highly Inappropriate. You've Mm -hmm. heard my shit. I I, I say things that you're not really supposed to. I get it. My thing is that there's a way now, I think, that we can do this where... And for me, it just was really simple. I did not laugh at his trans jokes. When he brought it up, Mm -hmm. the topic back up, I kind of was just like, oh, no, like, bruh. (laughs) Because here's the thing. It's very simple. All we're saying is that trans people are not jokes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's no different than when black people said we're not jokes we're not your punchline it's no different than latinos say we're not your jokes your punchline it's no different than when jews say we're not your jokes or your punchline it's no different all we're saying is that trans people are not a punchline because mm-hmm. they are um an at-risk community they are marginalized they need support not our disgust or disdain it's mm-hmm. very simple that's all we're saying and mm-hmm. I think for some people that may be a bridge too far. They're like, well, we accepted the gays, but it's like, nah, you really didn't, but you tolerate it more, but you still complain. The thing is, is that we definitely have to take an approach to trans people where people have to understand. You don't have to agree. You don't have to accept it. Hell, you don't even have to understand but my nigga, you can mind your business. Mm-hmm. Always. That shit is free. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to worry or clock people or worry about who's who, you know, like, if, you know, the guys, they, it, it, listen, all of this has just gotten to a point. The truth is people have sex with transgender people. People like transgender people. Like, it's just, it's, get over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, for him, it just, I just felt like when I listened to it from my perspective, I felt like he hadn't grown from the last time he had done it. Mm-hmm. You know, where I don't, I, I, I understand. And see, maybe this is the thing. I don't know him. I don't know what his process was. Maybe he listened or paid attention to some of the more, um, aggressive negative feedback versus some of the feedback that included 
education, like, hey, here's why this is not funny. Because a lot of people, and they're bringing it up now, like Kevin Hart, they're talking about, oh, he made that joke where he would beat his son if he was gay. And I can pull up at least five different news articles within the last year or two where someone has beat their child to death because they said the boy acted effeminate. Yeah. And they thought he was gay. And it's like when you try to explain now to some, it seems, some comedians, it's like they're not taking in that nuance. And for me, it's like, I do feel that you have the capability of taking in nuance, hence how you craft the joke in the first place. You know, you know that there's that caveat that you can take to kind of make it funny where, you know, you're, you're walking people down, you know, the line, like, okay, here we go. And then you're like, boom, I'm hitting with the little razzle dazzle and like, ha ha, now we got a joke. Now it's working. It's like, no, you're not taking it into consideration. And like, there's a way to joke about it without really being derogatory in a sense. And niggas know this. They know this. You get it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I felt two different things um, while he was performing. Uh, one, Whoever, and and he has two sec two different segments on this show because after the show gets done, immediately afterwards Netflix pops up with coming up next is the epilogue or the punchline or something right. like that. Right. Um. So I watched both of them. Mm-hmm. He sounds a lot like you were saying, like black men sound a lot like the the white men that they're trying to that, that you know like <sighs> Dave Chappelle sounds a lot like a white person who uh, got told that they were racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, little bit. Little um, bit. yeah. Because one thing that he did, and I don't remember if it was during the punchline or if it was during the actual show, he talked about first of all he he talked about that woman that uh, everybody has mentioned in their review who said that she was raped and he was like I didn't do it bye bitch which <laughs> she's like Sorry. come on bruh um, but then it, it, highly but, inappropriate <laughs> <laughs> but then he went on to say that uh, in this crowd of all these people of all these jokes he was telling there was a trans woman in the crowd and that the trans woman, when he started telling his trans jokes, she was laughing louder than anybody else. Aww. See? And then he went and talked with her after the show, and she asked him, uh, she said that he that he had gotten a lot of bad flack for R. Kelly. Uh, and that was a joke that he mentioned, too. He had mentioned that Dream Hampton, he went into R. Kelly. Um, but he mentioned that uh, this woman, and I can't remember what he said her name was. It was like Glenda, I think. Yeah. Um, and he said that she said that he had gotten a lot of flack because he normalized R. Kelly by making jokes about R. Kelly and having us and, and leading us to laugh at R. Kelly, normalized R. Kelly. And mm-hmm. she's like, but if the press is saying that that's what happened in that situation, then why isn't you making jokes about transgender people normalizing us? And he was like, I never thought about it like that. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. 
Mm. I want, I can't, we can't verify <laughs> whether or not this conversation ever happened, but it's just a little bit too on the nose. Like, like it, well, my black friend Tyrone exactly. told me, yes, this joke is yes, funny. that's what it sounds. Look, look, a trans person said it was okay, mm. you know, that I did what that I said what I said, or the trans the trans person laughed at my joke. It must be all right, as you know. But it, we know good and damn well that we, you know, that our disdain or our approval is not, you know, we talk about we're not a monolith you know, all the time as black people, but somehow we project, he is projecting that on another group of people. So, kind of- sorry, let me, let me ask this. So when Chris Rock was laughing at Louis C.K. while he was saying nigger, was that to help normalize white people saying nigger? Right. Right. Because <laughs> I wish they would. I wish they tried that theory around me. <laughs> like, I mean... <laughs> like, yo... We and 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 that's the thing, like him saying these things on this show that again didn't find particularly one laugh out of an hour. That's not a good percentage for a comedy show by a famed comedian. And sometimes the jokes don't land, it happens. But when the jokes are literally the first thing he did was, I'm gonna do impressions. The first impression he did was. Somebody, I don't fucking remember. The second impression he did was, oh, you hurt my feelings. I'm PC. You're not doing... And then he said, that's y'all. That's the crowd. And then he immediately went in on uh, just the PC culture. He went in on everything moving. He talked about Michael Jackson. He just stuff that was just like, how can I make your toes curl? Yeah. The thing that got me isn't so much that he went and tried these things to make me laugh. I didn't. I have opinions on it, but I have more opinions about these folks out here in social media who are using, and we talked about this before a long time ago, there's a lot of folks who have a lot of stuff to say but won't say it until somebody Mm -hmm. else says it first. Mm And then all of a sudden, they're like, you know what? He's just saying he's speaking for the little person. I'm glad somebody finally spoke up and said, blah, 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 whatever it may be. And there's a lot of black folks. I don't know about, I know about Breitbart, and I know about all these uh, right-wing groups that are hitting him up on Twitter and saying, Dave Chappelle saved America. But I also know about all these black folks, literally on my timeline, who are saying, we should be able to say stuff about trans people because they say stuff about black people all the time. Like, nigga, do you like trans people are black too? Right. Right. No, but that's, 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 that's the, that's the God's honest truth. But that's what's, that's where we got the game fucked up. Whether it's about, whether it's about uh, trans people or people who or when we get into like um homosexuality we act like there are not black people who are trans who are um homo- who are a homosexual person and just pretend like there's just it's all it's white people shit it's not white people shit that's why we have to that's why we have to be mindful of the way we speak about people because we are speaking about black people too when we talk shit about trans people when we make jokes about trans people there are black trans people black trans women are being murdered left and right it's not Mm -hmm. funny you know it's not funny 
when uh you know it's not funny when black kids are killing themselves because they're being made fun of for possibly maybe being homosexual being gay it's not funny but this but people don't realize that this is the environment that we're contributing to we're just focused on the fact that we just want to laugh at some shit or we want to make jokes or this person is making jokes and oh we you know everything's not always so serious and this and that it's just like motherfucker, motherfuckers are dying motherfuckers yeah. are in pain the shit yeah. is serious there's ways to make jokes without punching down on people who are already being punched down on just in their lives when dave Chappelle made killing me softly he wasn't he was he was known he was known from like half-baked Really, I think that was his big thing was half-baked. That's what people knew him from. And he wasn't punching down. He was punching up. I remember that vividly. Yeah. And, and, and Killing Me Softly, he talked about white men. He talked about cops. He talked about racism. He talked about what it was like being in the hood. He talked about that baby that was selling crack while he was <laughs> hiding out in the limousine. He talked about all of this stuff. And then that nigga got rich. <laughs> and he's Man. literally the biggest example I can give of this is what happens when you get money this is what happens next when a black man gets money and just forgets everything else because all of a sudden he's just like yo fuck me too fuck trans people he spent a good 15 to 20 minutes maybe more creating a dialogue where he talked about where LGBTQ people were in a car. <laughs> and he, every time he told these jokes, Shantae, mm -hmm. he started off by saying he had gay friends. See, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. the L didn't particularly care for the G. The, yeah, he did yeah. that. And, uh, okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I felt like, um, like I said, it didn't really come from, for me, it was just kind of a little like, because eh, it didn't kind of come from a well-rounded, knowledgeable place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, that, there's that. And speaking of, I think it's interesting that I, I made two observations about this. It is true that Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock breathe rarefied air yes i want to breathe it let me try nigga here's the thing here's the thing i feel like they get a big enough check to put up with white bullshit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whereas we don't <laughs> mm -hmm. the micro microaggressions at work leave me to come home and smoke fuck that I gotta like i have to suck it up all day just to come home and just be like all right now let me let it all out <laughs> It's a lot. It's just a lot. And, and here's the thing. You where they are, um, I feel like they are a little they don't I feel it's here it is. I don't feel like they have the pulse on the black on black culture and black community like they once did. Valid. Like when bigger and blacker came out, like back when Chris Rock was doing all of that. I mean, mm -hmm. for me personally, me. I have my own personal issues with some of Chris Rock's material. Mm -hmm. And um, is it blacks versus niggas? 
know actually has been his material about black women he just yeah he just really seemed angry about it and i'm sorry but some of these jokes are the same dog-ass jokes niggas was telling on def jam Mm. it's just not i'm just not impressed anymore but my thing is is that um they i feel like like i said i don't feel like they have their finger on the pulse of it like they used to i think that you know, Black people, we're in a totally different place right now. And for me, I think it stems from the fact that, I don't know about y'all, I was Black before Obama got elected. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I was Blackity Black, Black, Black as fuck when Obama was in office. Mm-hmm. And when Obama left, I, I remained Black. I'm not reverting my mindset back to, okay, now the white people are back in charge. All right, we're going back, we're going back to how, no, no, we're, I'm still moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is where a lot, I'm not the only one. And I think that now for some of us, we've tasted that freedom to be just black. And for me, when I look to Dave Chappelle, I feel like, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if he's making those jokes for me anymore. I don't know. Mm. The thing that I think really changed. I don't think he's gone full Kanye, but like, He's close. He's close. The nigga came out talking about the duck vat and <laughs> duck grease on his lips and like how his son, like he used to eat chicken and now his son's eating duck for dinner. And that's cool. I mean, that's literally the modified American dream. That's the new American dream mm-hmm. to be rich. Um, But I do, there's things that were just, signifiers of what was going to happen further on in this show. And again, I sat there and watched this show. I listened, I read posts from people who were like, I watched this show three times already. And I'm like, how the fuck did you pull that shit off? Cause no, he said, it was during the punchline. He said, cause somebody said, um, what comedians did you look up to? Which, which comedians, have any comedians given you any good advice? And he said straight out, yo, I went to a funeral for a comedian a couple of days ago and I realized these motherfuckers are my family. Even if I'm jealous of them, even if we fight with them, whatever, these are my family when it's all said and done. And I'm going to ride for them no matter what. Once mm-hmm. he got mm-hmm. to that point of being in this rarefied air of comedians, it's like being an NBA ball. It's like being a ball player. I can't get to where you're at to ask you these questions about why you're doing what you're doing. I can only hear your thoughts about why you're doing what you're doing if you choose to say why you're doing what you're doing. So him doing that whole stupid part about uh, Louis C.K. not really uh, sexually harassing women because all he did was masturbated in his own room, blase, blase, blah. He said in the punchline that he's riding for Louis C.K. no matter what. Mm-hmm. Even if that means he's doing extreme amounts of misogyny. Mm-hmm. Even if that means he's doing a ton of whitewashing of the real facts. He is going to ride for his folks. He stood up. This nigga, Shante, nigga, look, nigga, niggas out there. No, I remember. I promise. I said I wasn't going to call y'all niggas no more. Motherfuckers, look. Mm-hmm. He said that Kevin Hart is the closest person to perfect that he's ever met in his life. Jesus Christ. Wow. See, you know what this sounds like? You know what this what he sounds like? 
or the idea that he's going to ride for his people, it sounds like police. Mm. It sounds like police. Wow. It sounds like any like any type of like any type of group where loyalty is higher than your actual conduct. No, what it is is he is choosing being a man over his race. Mm-hmm. It, it listen. The common theme through all this, we know that when a man is misogynist, that racism isn't too far off, right? Mm-hmm. And when we talk about these parallels between some of these attitudes with Black men and how they mirror white men, I think that's one of the things, you know, when you look at some of these issues, I mean, you look at the major issues that we're talking about are things that... Um, would make strange bedfellows because these are things that cut across race. You you have gay Latinas, it, it's it, it's it's Jewish people, Asian. Everyone's gay. Everyone has a transgender community. It's it's a it's universal. But that's the one thing you know that you're seeing us starting to make strides toward you know in the public discourse. You know, we had Hillary Clinton getting closer and closer and men like, oh, we're under attack, we're under attack. So now this thinking seems to be extremely pervasive amongst African-American men because traditionally over the last um, couple centuries, they have been so um, patriarchal and misogynistic in a lot of our practices. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just kind of my perspective on it. The way that I, when I really stopped when I just tuned out of this show, it was right after he finished the joke with the buckshot and the, the, the bird pellets or whatever it was. I realized that what Dave Chappelle did in this routine was he got on the phone. It's a lot like when my wife and I are going to the store or when I'm going to the store and she stays home or when she's going to the store and I'm staying home. Yo, I'm going to the store. Y'all need anything? And she'll pop up. Hey, get some cereal. All right, I got it. Cereal. Hey, Dad, we need some milk. All right, cool. Milk. I got you. Milk. Hey, Dad, if you can, can you get some of the nacho cheese and some chips and we can make nachos? That sounds good. Nacho cheese. Nacho chips. Got it. Hey, can you get some pads? Yeah, I got you. Some pads. This nigga was like, yo, y'all, I'm doing a comedy routine. What y'all want me to talk about? Louis C.K. was like, hey. Nigga, they still getting on me about that Me Too. Whoo, I got you. I got you. Sexual harassment. I'm on it. Kevin Hart was like, hey, can you say something nice for a nigga? You know, because I need help. Oh, man, you you close to perfect. I got you. I got you, dog. Ooh, I got you. And I got to do something. I got to pick up some stuff about trans people because they didn't like the jokes I made before. Ooh, I'm going to call this motherfucker Sticks and Stones. Ooh. Hey, y'all, I'm going to call it Sticks and Stones. Y'all got anything that y'all don't want to say because y'all don't want to get... Th- I'm already I'm already here. I'm already getting, like, hate mail and stuff. Just tell me what you want to say, and I'll be your voice. I got you. That's what it felt like to me. Hmm. Well, I mean, I feel like they're trying to fight back from the criticism to, of because Bill Maher does it a lot. Yeah, he just went full blown Islamophobic. Well, that's his. That's his. That's his mo. That's his. 
his yeah, base but, level. I had to give him up too because he's he just doesn't get it, and I really don't like him hiding behind um, Chris Reed, who's a writer on the show, this kid from Kid and Play, you know, because he's a writer on the show writing those jokes that you know it's okay if I say it, a black man wrote this. I, I, no. Ugh, really? Okay. See, I had no idea that he was a writer on the show and that he was like that because I also gave up Bill Maher a while ago because you realize that you know whenever certain topics pop up like like um you know people you know uh islam or 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 when he tries if, to throw out the nigger and, and, and well, all casually that, or, shit. or even people who are religious but not a dickhead about it and he would be mm. a dickhead to them yeah you know yeah. anyway like it's one thing if somebody's an asshole and everything's like fuck it you know is that person's an asshole that person doesn't really need to be respected but like when somebody's just chill and he's still going at them it was just like no nah, i can't sit here and watch this dude i can't sit here and watch this dude talk shit about muslim people i can't watch this dude talk shit about religion even though i don't fuck with religion like that it was just like i can't do this this is this is some bullshit it's not enough to listen to these smart people talk because that's really what i care about and listen to his bullshit jokes in between the smart shit that they're saying it's just like it's not enough i don't want to watch this shit that's yeah that's what this felt like a lot like there's shit that he said on this show. Somebody, one of the white articles said that he is a pro-lifer because he took time out to say that he didn't believe in pro-life or pro-choice. Then mm. he said he didn't believe in pro-life. And really he said he didn't give a fuck, period. He was just saying all that to get to a point where he was saying niggas shouldn't have to pay child support. <laughs> like low-key. Wait. <laughs> he said that he was like, if we believe women have the right to choose. He was like, because I'm never going to, you know, like give her blah, blah, blah. But he was like, just the same. If it's your choice, then you choose to have that baby. Then I get to choose not to raise it. Or not to, yeah, not to take care of it. Yep, it's my just wow. what he said. But choice. that's what Dude's my already my choice. Yeah. Niggas that's, already do that shit though, right? Right. That's what that's the thing. Like they already like they can already do that. They do they it right. Walk away from their whole babies. Like whole baby they walk away whole from whole babies. babies. Whole babies. Go fit go find a new baby. Walk away from that baby. Get another baby. Walk away from that baby. And then maybe start a family with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> That's what's so childish about the whole child support debate, like this type of angle with the child support debate, like somehow be like somehow because somebody put you on a, you know, put you on a case or whatever, that your rights are being infringed or Mm -hmm. it's just like my nigga, you had things that you could have done to stop this. You could have, you know, only you can prevent forest fires, my nigga. You could have done that. You could have fixed it. And you did it. And now you have to deal with it. And But it's just like, nah, we don't know. It's my wallet, my choice. What a, what a dickhead-ass thing to say. That was, I, I believe that that was um, one of his kill shot statements. Like, he had kill shot statements in this show where he just thought that it was going to bring the, and you know sometimes i wonder the homie adjective j mm-hmm. does a dream team ratchet aunties and uncles podcast 
uh, which is available on Mocha Minutes. Uh, shout out to him. He's a comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does stand up. He actually has done like his own, like he's gotten his own set. Like he he's doing big things up in the Pacific Northwest. If y'all are ever up there, check him out. Like all the love in the world to this dude. He's like a brother to me. Real talk. If he went on stage and told these jokes, would these motherfuckers have still laughed? That's the question I have. Like how much of this is because it's funny and how much this because I already paid 95, 100. He told the folks in New York that were in the front row that they paid 800 bucks for a seat that the folks in Atlanta paid $60 for. If I've already paid 800 bucks for this seat, am I going to laugh? Because, nigga, I, I need to laugh at something. Make it my money's worth. <laughs> These are the things that, like, I, I guess I shouldn't be thinking them, but I'm thinking them while I'm watching it because there was a point where he said, what the hell? It was right on the tip of my tongue. He said a lot. Like he said, like anything he could have said, and I know, I know your podcast is called Highly Inappropriate, but <laughs> he really went out of his way to say, what's going to make people, like what, what's going to make y'all twerk with anger? <laughs> and I think that when you come from that angle, just trying to be provocative for the sake of being provocative, you lose a lot of what you came there with, but it's Dave Chappelle. And mm. Dave Chappelle's been funny back since the, uh, I'm Rick James bitch to a lot of these people. For a lot of these folks, that's the first time they may have saw him. Mm-hmm. Or that may be what they know about him. So they just, I got a chance to see him in person. Everything's funnier in person when I'm already drunk and whoop de whoop or whatever it may be. But if it's somebody who's just on the block telling these jokes, are they funny to you? Is this shit funny to you? Does this make you dance? And it didn't make me dance. I saw Dave Chappelle live um, back in 2000. Four, mm-hmm. yeah, down there. I think he was either old and in the university, and I went down there to Norfolk to see him. This was at Norfolk. Old Dominion is that in Norfolk? Where is Old Dominion? ODU, uh, ODU. I believe it's. I I can't even say. It's in Virginia. Know. It's like down that way. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Down there. So he was funny, and here's the thing: I don't want to. I don't want to presume like I know what was going through his mind when he did this. I, I I just know how it made me feel to listen to it, and um, it evoked. It wasn't really just him. It just kind of for me. I felt like it was a case study in where some men are right now. And um, yeah, it just, I don't know why. I, 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 it's hard to explain, or maybe I haven't fully processed it yet. But I mean, it, there were parts where I laughed and there were parts where I was like, okay. But then there were just some parts where I was just like, please don't go there. <laughs> just mm-hmm. make it, like, please stop. And um I can think back to like, you know, there have been like, um, there are some comedians, they're just going to say, you know, whatever it is they're going to say. And I get it, you know, comedians should be able to say, you know, what they want to say. But just the same, 
you know, I think now we need to be, it's important because we have so much information out there and we have Fox News and fake news and all that other stuff. Like it's very, it's just, it's just very important, you know, to really figure out what we, how we're going to say what, what needs to be said. You know, like we don't need to, I just, I'm just more disappointed that what he did fed into Breitbart. And it really was a concern. Like when you see people like that cheering what you say or using you as the mantle, like, like I know that wasn't your goal either. Mm-hmm. So it, I was just a tad bit disappointed behind that. Yeah. I, I, and, and I'm sure that, well, I'm not sure. Cause I don't know the nigga, but I would think that in hindsight, he'd be like, this ain't really, this wasn't what I was looking for. But okay by and large I would say don't watch it that's just me or watch it and figure out for yourself yeah you know I'm not gonna watch it again that's just me I I think that's what I mean to say is that me personally I saw it once I saw it I need to see I don't need to watch it again Mm -hmm. other folks Apparently, it's the greatest thing that they've seen. And I mean, I don't remember when they did that Deaf Comedy Jam's 50th anniversary. It couldn't have been 50th or 20th anniversary. <laughs> they ain't that old, nigga. But when him and somebody else got up there and just uh, improvised, I think it was him and D.L. Hughley got up there and just improvised a whole bit, like a, a 10 to 15 minute comedy set. And it was the funniest thing I had ever saw at that time. And I remember tweeting about it. He's still my dude. That's the thing. He is literally dipping very low into the Europe piece of shit. Like your ideas are shitty as shit, dude. <laughs> and yet at the same time, I'm still like, man, I hope that he comes out of this yeah. and just goes back to being the funny guy he was. So then I can, I can laugh again. Mm-hmm. See, that's funny. Because, see, for me, it's just like, I've let Dave go. That's really? Just, I've let Dave go. As far as, like, the the iter- like the, the, the recent stuff, it's just like, it's okay. Oh. I've let Dave go. Like, mm-hmm. I can be okay with Killing Me Softly being really funny and the memories that I have in college, listening to it with my husband and stuff before we were married and, you know, our classmates and everything. Because he had it on, uh, he had burned it off a lime wire too and just listening to it. <laughs> I knew you know, I and we still, I knew I liked you know, that And we dude. still, you know, and we still, you know, I still quote, it was like, I didn't know I could do that, you know, because <laughs> yes. I'm going to race them. You know, that kind of shit. Like, I can be okay <laughs> with, <laughs> with that stuff and knowing that that stuff was funny and let Dave go now it's just like mm-hmm. it's okay it's just like this is it and, and it's the same and it's the same possibility if Eddie Murphy uh when his when he finally does his stand-up and if his stand-up is off you know is just like it doesn't hit the way it's supposed to hit or he goes below the belt or he starts punching down I will be okay with being like you know what maybe I don't fuck with Eddie with on the next stand-up but I'm gonna be okay with I still know you know I still enjoyed coming to America I still enjoyed raw as problematic as it is you know I still enjoyed all these other things Mm-hmm. And it's okay, but I can let him go now if that's what has to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody told me, or somebody stated, and I couldn't verify it. Like I'm, I'm doing like they did. I, I finally listened on. There it is. 
the read. Whenever in doubt, go to Google. So I listened to the read today, and they were talking about it. So I'm laughing because I'm I went to Google. Somebody was like, "Hey, this is this is the equivalent of Eddie Murphy's Raw. This is the equivalent of Eddie Murphy's Delirious, where he came out and all of his stuff was completely homophobic, and just." horrible words are being said and this is going to be what's going to stand in our future as the a big point in our life at this time well maybe but in 1996 yeah. eddie murphy apologized mm -hmm. that's the thing he issued a public apology uh in san francisco for past remarks about age and homosexuality so I, I don't know if that was because he was putting out a movie. I don't know if it was heartfelt, but I know he apologized. What Dave Chappelle said was that Kevin Hart lost a piece of himself because he uh, had to apologize. And also, that, that what I was trying to think of earlier that I couldn't remember was before Dave said the thing about, pro, about him being uh, pro-child support choice. That's just what I'm going to call it. Pro-child support choice. Pro-choice on child support, basically. Before he said that, he ascribed being transgender into that old school, you wouldn't laugh at me if I thought I was a Chinese person stuck inside of a black body. Hmm. What? That was, the, that's, that was the joke that he made to try and enter into his conversation about transgender folks. It was him making a racist face and making racist sounds like he thought a Chinese person would make, which he then said he made to his wife as well when they were fighting. Um, but <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> but as a, like he felt like trans being a transgender person was funny. Like him being, if, if he thought he was a Chinese person stuck in a black body. Mm. I, I, mm -mm. Nope. So now that we got the notes out the way. Uh, so turns out, remember when Monica and Brandy did that, the, the Boy's Mind song? Yup. Yes. You you need to get it up. Had about enough. It's not. It's time to admit the boy is mine. It, it's time to admit Monica Molly walked Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> we knew that. Right? Dallas <laughs> confirmed in an interview that with uh <laughs> with Vlad TV that Monica punched Brandy in the face right before they went on stage for the MTV MA Awards to <laughs> perform. Nigga, when I say I went back and watched that video of that performance and Brandy Brandy has a voice that is strong and beautiful and powerful and you can no. hear it anywhere in a room except for that day. On that day, when she did the VMAs with Monica, right after Monica punched her in the face, she wouldn't look at Monica. She sounded hella hesitant when she was singing. She sounded all halting, like she had just finished crying. I don't know what's going through. She didn't have the power in her voice, and Monica just sounded powerful as shit. <laughs> we all knew that they didn't like each other. Good grief. But I mean, listen, so here's my theory. This is my theory. It just seems, I just find it funny how everywhere Brandy <laughs> go, it's always a little issue. 
And I just think that it was the 90s. And let me tell you something what I appreciate about my generation growing up. That was really how we handle shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even you had hands or you did. You know what I'm saying? But it just was so straightforward. And sometimes, you know, yeah, like, you know, when you're a young lady, sometimes you can just punch another bitch in the face. It happens. You know? I, I, the thing that, I, I, like I said, we all suspected that they didn't get along. Like, it was out there in the air. The thing that I didn't know, uh, and this may be just putting two on the ten, like I said, you can never really tell, but Monica, Dallas Austin, said um, they went to do the AMAs or MTV, one of them. Monica never liked Brandy, and Monica was very ghetto when it came down to it. She was like, quote, she's too proper and she's too this. And I think Brandy might have looked at her a certain way a couple times and looked at her and made the little, and then he made the little dismissive hand wave. So from that point, even to have them do The Boy Is Mine, Monica was like, quote, I'm not doing no song with her. And I was like, come on, you got it. It makes the most sense. Clive wants it. Let's just do it. So we did the song. I did Monica stuff out here and they did Brandy stuff out there. And the first time they actually saw each other do it, to do it, I think it was the American Music Awards or something. And before they could even get to the stage, Monica decked her in the face, popped her in the face backstage. And they went, oh my God. Everybody was like, how are we going to have a performance that looks like they're not at war with one another? But it worked out because the song is they're supposed to be at war with one another. So nobody could tell that she punched her in the face before the performance. And Monica, this is the part that made me raise my eyebrows a bit. Like, okay, I don't know the connection, but okay. Uh, and Monica was at the epitome of finding her real self. But then again, we were all teenagers back then, so I can kind of see this, I guess. Monica was at the epitome of finding her real self. She had went through a lot of stuff. And her real self, if you didn't have gold teeth, she didn't like you. So she was really hood in Atlanta, and she wasn't with it. I still don't think she's all the way with it. Yeah. No, she's no, she's not. Listen, we all knew when Monica was dating C Murder what time it was. Come on now. True. She dated C Murder. Like, I mean, like come on now. I mean I mean what it sounds it sounds like it was just incompatibility. That's what No, so word on the curb though is that it was over Usher. That was always the reason Usher wasn't okay. Cause see, that's what that's what, okay. So what I felt like I had read, I didn't know what dude it was, but it was over a dude. Like they really, like they really were hollering at or being hollered at at. But you know, they were with somebody, but they were both with that somebody, and then it all kind of like, it all kind of came to a head. Like the boy is mine is really for real. That's. But it also still seems like it was just incompatibility. This is just, you know, whatever type of girl Monica is coming in contact with whatever kind of girl Brandy is, and neither one of them wanting to be friends with each other based on whatever their perceptions are of the other person. And it's just like, they just ain't friends, and they ain't cool, and they beefing. And somebody got, and Brandy got punched in the face. Yeah, man. I mean, but in the long run of things, in the in the whole big picture of things, Monica punched Brandy in the face. Brandy murdered somebody. 
Let that go. Never. <laughs> Let me tell you something. No. Never. 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 Wow. Hey, real talk. Like whenever, whenever I feel like I can never be my best person, I just remember Brandy murdered a motherfucker. And is now on Star, so mm. I can do whatever. There's never a bottom. There's never a rock bottom. Brandy murdered somebody. <laughs> what? A, a real person, and then did full moon. <laughs> like, come on now. <sighs> Yikes. Mm-hmm. I just want to take a moment and really just think about that. Like all of y'all, just close your eyes and think about the fact that Brandy ran somebody. Did she rear in them and they died? So I think what happened really was the person who rear ended her was Usher. You know what? I was stop. (laughs) (laughs) Pull up to my bumper, baby. No, um, so Brandy was was stopped. Um, behind someone and the person someone ran into the back of her and when they did that they pushed her forward and when she hit that person they were yeah I tried that in elementary school I'd punch somebody in the face and be like that wasn't me somebody else pushed my hand in the old face don't fight me fight them eh, nah Listen, well her- she was cleared she was cleared in that case the thing is that once she did it she was like oh I'm so sorry like you know I'll pay for everything and blah 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 because she just you know she was freaking out but once they investigated the whole incident she was found she was cleared of any negligence and wrongdoing and then the people tried to sue her and their case was dismissed because she was not if she was found not at fault Mm-hmm. For the accident, so technically, but for some <laughs> reason, but she did kill. She killed them motherfuckers, though. <laughs> right? And for some reason, Tyrese becomes black tie. Like, yo, oh, Randy's a real hard motherfucker out here. Help! What, Shante? <laughs> I mean, look, Monica was dating C Murder. Nope. Brandy was like, I can top that. See? Nope. Murder. Nope. No, no. Nope. Nope. <sighs> Don't quit your day job. It's okay. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I tried stand up and loved every moment of it, but now they don't do open mics, or at least they don't tell me about them anymore. So there's that. When I go to up to the Pacific Northwest, though, that's when I'm going to get it in. Um... Gwyneth, a police officer, is out of a job and her friend faces felony charges after the officer let her borrow her badge and her gun to get free snacks from the quick trip. Yep. Sis. <laughs> I mean, that's a down-ass friend, though. Gwyneth police told uh, the news that the officer worked for the Department of Community Supervision and her friend was a former officer for the department. Uh... They learned that it's a fairly common practice at some of the convenience stores that first responders get free snacks. Mm-hmm. Police say that the officer waited in the car and let her friend use her badge and gun to go into the QT and get some free food. See, that's, I'm, I'm not, like. Why she needs a gun? She couldn't just go up in there with the badge and just be like, yo, what's up? Like, 
Her friend couldn't have got out the car and got the shit. Like, I just don't. Oh. Like you, you, y'all. I, I, I thought initially when I first looked at this story, I thought that maybe she had given her the badge and the gun, and the friend went like old and Polynesian and just went out in the streets acting like she was a real cop. But no, they pulled up to the gas station, and she was like, "Road beers, chips, nigga, be quick." And her friend went in there and got it, and she's sitting out in the parking lot. This could have all been avoided. You like know, so you, many things. Be, it, whew, it gets worse. Gwinnett police officer J.T. Smith saw the incident and didn't recognize the officer. Oh. So Smith pulled the woman's car over, and when he did, she was still wearing the gun and the badge. <laughs> Video shows the moment that Smith confronted her. And she claimed that she was still an officer and worked for DCS. He said, are you or are you not a police officer? And she, nigga, I never thought I'd get the chance to say this in my entire life, especially after we just finished talking about Dave Chappelle and Breitbart and all that shit. Nigga, she pulled the race card so quick. Hmm. Are you or are you not a police officer? He asked on the tape. She said, so a black person walks into a store with a badge and a gun and it's an issue. He said it has nothing to do with you being black. And after several seconds, she finally told the truth. Quote, she said, you don't have to be a police officer to go in there. I've been doing it for three years. He then turned his attention to the passenger, who's a real officer who the gun and badge belong to. Thomas contacted the, the cops to find out if Green was still employed as an officer. And then they uh, suspended her. They did a forthcoming investigation and let her know that they were doing a forthcoming investigation, and she resigned that same day. Mm-hmm. And they charged her homegirl with a felony impersonating an officer. Yeah. Over some snacks. I Over hope snacks. the Cheetos were worth it. Only if they were flaming hot with lime, because those go like, nigga, look, check it out. So look, look, look. So my kids kept trying to get me to eat uh, Takis, and I'm like, I'm good. I'm cool. I don't really like the way those feel on my tongue when they burn right through them, like motherfuckers. But the lemon, uh, lemon lime, flaming hot Cheetos, the puffs, I could eat like three of those before I get tired of eating fucking flaming hot Cheetos that don't taste like jack shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the whole conversation I tried to get my kids to eat some um, I think it was Carolina Reaper hot oh, chips. why no it was ghost pepper ghost pepper hey. hot chips. they weren't hot like, they weren't no I'm really getting disappointed by places that advertise these super hot things that aren't hot like Taco Bell used to advertise like their ghost reaper steak fries or nacho fries or something like that and they weren't hot either it's like aren't are you or are you not trying to kill somebody are you or are you not brandy (laughs) no no (laughs) no 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 uh because you know she murdered somebody no remember remember that cook so anyways (laughs) I, i i just want to point out two things one the fact that stores are literally giving away free food to officers, that's not a good look. 
because it feels like you're doing it for protection. Like I watched The Kitchen. Mm -hmm. I watched all these mob shows where people give away free money and free food to get protection. I don't trust police as it is. And if I saw a cop stealing from you, guess what I'm going to try and do? I'm going to try and pay for my food because the cop got a gun. But still, I just don't like the idea of cops getting free food because they're cops. Even though I was driving down the street day before yesterday and there was a donut shop and I swear to God there was a cop parked in front of it and the cop was just posted out front. And I live like near a neighborhood where, you know, there's a beauty salon and a, a, a Kim's wigs and all that right next to this donut shop. So I'm hood adjacent. Mm-hmm. This cop was literally posted outside the, the, the donut shop with a box looking like he had a bag of liquor. Like he was posted up with this box of donuts just going to town on it. And I know he didn't pay for that shit. It made me mad because I wanted donuts. That's the whole thing. I didn't really have anything to say about it. I just I was gonna ask him for a donut because I knew he didn't pay for it, but I knew he'd get mad about that shit, so I didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that, but no, but what you like? I mean, obviously you joking and everything, but that is something—the possibility that people. Uh, that well, I mean, you know, basically, motherfucker, you know, police take advantage of their position in our society, and they use it to get free shit, and or to be treated differently, to be, you know, more, I don't know, put on a higher pedestal than everybody else when it's just like it's a fucking job. Because I think that it's that kind of putting them on pedestal shit that gave them the gall to actually start that. Well, it didn't give them the, the idea to start the Blue Lives Matter, but it gave them the gall to think it was going to work. Yeah. No, I, honestly, okay, so here's the thing. I believe that the police um, have been, uh, they've been having a, a PR campaign over the last 20 years where they are untouchable, where no one can say anything negative about the police or bad about the police. They are sacred, protected class. Mm-hmm. That's been mm-hmm. happening for a while. And they've always got this narrative like there's a war out there and we just don't get it. When mm-hmm. we're like, nah, we do, y'all. But some of y'all want some bullshit. Like, it's just the whole operation is sleazy. I mean, but yeah, there's there's definitely like been a PR campaign around um, police officers, and like it's like like I said, it's like a sacred protected class almost. Like they're almost like like they can like they're untouchable, and it just no, it's just no. Nah. No one should be untouchable. I think. I don't, I don't know. I feel strongly about that for reasons that I can't really explain. I feel like it should be common sense. Like if you fuck up, you should be able to stand, be accountable for your fuck up. Mm-hmm. You can grow from it. You can get better from it. Somebody and a, a lot of somebodies have posted up that if they stopped taking money out of the, out of the taxpayers pockets to pay for all of these, um, civil suits the cops are getting and take it out of the police pension, maybe that'll change something. But the public is like, there's a lot of public who are like saying no. And honestly, at this juncture, I feel like they're saying it just because they know black folks want it to happen. 
I feel like a lot of folks are just running counter to whatever we're saying needs to happen because they know that it's going to get on your nerves. There's folks who are saying it because, well, you know, I had an encounter with a minority and now I think police will be the only people who can protect me, like all this kind of stuff. I just, I, I feel like honestly, the whole idea of the police force has run its course the way it is right now. Um, I feel like if you had like real community divisions where the community had a, a, a their own little warden and and the, the 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 everybody who worked in that ward came directly from that community and you self police your area i think that might help things but i don't know usually when people say that they're like that sounds like a racist uh, ideology or something like that. Like, I know that that's what the Black Panthers wanted to do mm-hmm. was to police ourselves. But I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, that makes a lot of sense because I know if I'm working in this ward and I see somebody stealing from a store and I know, like, it's a kid, like, 16-year-old kid running out of a store stealing food from like the corner store and I catch him, but I know his parents and I know that they just lost their job or they're struggling or somebody's sick or that he's just a greedy ass kid and he's a growing kid and he's always got to eat. And I know that at that point in time, okay, here's what I'm going to do. This kid is going to do this, that, and the third, but I'm going to pay for this food. I think that the fact that we see these articles every blue moon about cops doing the right thing and then we applaud them as look at the good cops, I feel like that's the way it should be throughout the entire community where you actually have to have some level of empathy in order to be a police officer. And you can't have empathy for a neighborhood that you've never been in before. Mm. I I don't know. I do know. Fuck it. I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) But shit like that will never happen. Did y'all hear that Donald Trump said today that he's going to look into a way to to be president even longer because a lot of time was taken away from him because of the Russian investigation? Yes, I did hear about it. And I'm not and I'm not surprised by it. I mean, because he's basically he's basically operating with I can say anything I want to and other motherfuckers who if it was somebody else, they would be up in arms. You know, mm-hmm. they are just letting him say whatever it is they want to say. And they're, and, and they're letting him say whatever it is he wants to say and do whatever it is he wants to do because he is aiding them in whatever they're agenda is whether their agenda is to uh you know get rid of people who have immigrated here you know well not even get rid of people who have immigrated here get rid of the brown people that have immigrated here and or to uh further subjugate women uh to 
push forth a type of uh, religious uh, whatever, you know, whatever that thing is, they are with it. And if he can help make it happen, they will ride him until the end. And, you know, then other motherfuckers are using him probably to make money, you know, because he can just say anything and the markets move and change and all this different kind of stuff. And, you know, so some people are going to eat shit and everybody, you know, and then the other people are benefiting from what he's doing. Mm-hmm. The folks who are benefiting from what he's doing are the same folks who are saying that I had that video of of Fox News and everybody going hard on uh, Barack Obama for wearing that tan suit. <laughs> I actually saw that memory a couple days ago. And I was like, golly. <laughs> it like, was a five-year anniversary of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Boy, howdy. Like, that was the only controversy in the Obama White House, a tan fucking suit. You know, goddamn. No, a tan suit and a fist bump. That's what got them wanting to impeach Barack Obama. Fuck white America for that one, because, bruh, you you, you really had a suite with him this man. (sighs) But that's the, that's the thing. That's, but that's, it goes back to how I don't know if the right word is hypocritical or contradictory or whatever that word is for these people, you know, especially the people who are in Congress for Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham and all these, you know, all these motherfuckers on Fox News and just, you know, whoever the fuck is that they never cared about the stuff that they said that they cared about. You know, when they were mad about whatever Barack Obama was doing, they probably really didn't give a fuck. They just needed something, you know, because now you have somebody who's basically like, I'll wipe my ass with the motherfucking constitution as far as all the things that he's doing. And they're just like, well, he's the president, you know, the Democrats are not doing what they're supposed to do. Democrats should just come together and stop all this division and blah, 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 whoopty bam or whatever, like trying to have, trying to be high minded mm-hmm. when, when Barack Obama was in, uh, was uh, in as the president, they were obstructionist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just like this whole like, fuck, like, but this is why also that the idea that somehow people who are on the left or whatever, who aren't uh, GOP people, who aren't with that, should somehow come together with these people. It's like, no, you tell those people to suck your dick. That's how, that's how it needs to be because that's all those people respect. It's like, no, suck my dick. That's how it, that's how it is. It, but I know it ain't always going to work like that and compromise and blah, 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 blah. But it just feels like those people are going to just continue to step on everybody's neck unless somebody says, you know, this is some bullshit. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like people have compromised with these people knowing that they ain't shit. And the shit has only got so far. It has only went so far. Stuff has only, you know, people have only got so much trying to compromise and cop deuces with 
you know, fucked up people. It's like one of the things I say, you cannot have an honorable fight with dishonorable people. Mm. And that's what the that's what's been going on. Those are dishonorable people. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. So at some point you have to take a stand and trying to fight like they both trying to fight like you both got, you know, the same kind of gloves when actually they got a brick in their glove. And they're not going to tell you that they got the brick, but they're going to hit your ass in the face with it, you know. Mm -hmm. And they got a helmet on, but they're telling you, oh, it's not a huge deal. You hit harder than I do here. You know, I, but they got a brick and they got a helmet on, but you out here, no protection, getting hit with a brick. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. That makes me giggle. Like you're just letting this shit happen. Mm. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I actually wrote a full song about that back in like 2008 called Whoop You With A Brick. Like that was, my, my cousin and I would sing that song when we were playing Halo Reach against <laughs> people. Like we get on kill streaks and one of us would be like, whoop him with a brick, nigga, whoop him with a brick. And the other would be like, get him. And yeah, yeah, that was a whole thing. I just... I feel like in this day and age, I see a lot of folks posting this dumb shit about eating the rich. I'm not going to do that because uh, white people probably taste pretty gamey. And I'm not trying to go to Donner Party route. You know what I found out recently? Just a side note. Just a side note. The Donner Party didn't have to starve. Literally, right down the mountain, just a little bit, there was a uh, group of indigenous Natives. Americans uh-huh. yep. who offered them food. Yep. And wow. they said, get the fuck out of here. We don't trust y'all. And immediately ate each other. Yep. Cold world. <laughs> That's what I feel like America is right now. Mm. Bruh, yeah, pretty much. Like, like, yo, why is our president the only one standing up with this motherfucker that's burning down the Amazon rainforest? Bruh. Why are you literally going out of your way to be that dude? Like, yo, seriously, why is this dude so fucking untouchable? That's what makes me mad about politics. That's the part that makes me mad is how when your when your party is in power, you feel like your dude could do no wrong. But the way I'm looking at it, and I may not remember everything properly because there haven't been a lot of Democratic presidents in my time. Let's see, that was Jimmy, and that was Bill. Really, that was Bill, and then that was Obama. Was there anybody in between Bill and Obama? Him? No. 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 So, oh, uh, Bill sexually harassed the shit out of somebody and had an, didn't even have an affair, really. He, just, he really just sexually harassed her and then forced her to do something because of his power and his position. Uh, that she didn't want to do. That was fucked up. Barack wore a tan suit. So I'm really, I, I was really going to say, like, depending on what party you're in, you look at the other people, like, like whatever my president does, they shit don't stink. I mean, Barack did do, he had a lot of drone strikes. But I, at the same time, 
them folks in in Senate and in the House weren't listening to a goddamn thing he said anyway. Nope. I don't know. I just feel like this dude keeps on walking on water and he needs to sink. Cause it's just is always amazing to watch whiteness work. Right. Yeah. And it's pushing us to the point of literally no return. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so uh, I did go out last night after I finished my saxophone lesson with Kid Awesome. He's teaching me how to play the saxophone. Here's mm-hmm. how it works. My 12-year-old is in a beginning band course, and he's playing the alto saxophone. And so he comes home from school, and for an hour every night, he's going to teach me something that he learned. And yesterday, he taught me how to actually blow into the reed where it actually makes a sound because it's harder than it looks. Um, and then he taught me the C, the B. I'm doing the motions with my fingers while I'm doing it, trying to remember where the keys were. The G and then the D, how to get those sounds. And then we worked on scales a little bit. And he's going to teach me it again tonight. Or we're going to work on some more tonight. I call it a jam session. He calls it being a teacher. Um, After we got done with doing that, I went to the movies last night and I sat down and I watched Don't Let Go. Oh, okay. That movie was fucking incredible. Wow. I'm going to say, honestly, I knew who did what from almost the very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. It didn't take away from the movie at all. Well, that's good. The young lady, I think her name is Storm Reed. She was mm-hmm. the young lady who was in um, Whisper in Time. A wrinkle in time. A wrinkle in time. She was in um, Euphoria. Euphoria. Yeah. She was. Oh yeah, she was Gia. Mm-hmm. God dog it. Yeah, I I I just finished watching that show mm-hmm. a couple days ago. Um, so now that I know that y'all saw it, first of all, go see. Uh, Don't let go. It was dope. Uh, thoughts on Euphoria? Shit was wild. I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was it what it reminded me of the the emotional roller coaster that it reminded me of was what I saw people going through when they were watching uh this is us mm-hmm. you know that I watched people who were just like, "Oh my God, I'm crying every week, and oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, and that's what this felt like because it was you know because I was remembering things from high school, remembering things that I could have said to people at different times for the things that they were going through or not being mature enough or knowing enough to say the things that needed to be said at that time. I enjoyed um, Euphoria uh, because I liked the diversity within the casting. I liked um, the plot and the story. I liked that they were addressing topics um, that need to be addressed in a more updated way, if you will. I mm-hmm. felt like it was a 2019 version of what Degrassi could be. Or sure. Yeah, in a way. Um, do I have any criticisms of the show? I mean... Not really, even though I know that there are some people who do. Um, 
I I just took it for what it was. There was one, no wait, there was one problematic issue with um, the guy who played football, the black kid, and the, and he was with his white girlfriend, and the team busted in that day. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, sorry. Yeah. And um, was he sexually assaulted by his teammates in front of her? I, was, I don't I know. Really... I don't know. Okay, so I don't know if it was like literal, like penetration without, mm-hmm. like, obviously trigger warning for this. But I don't know if it was that. But given what was going on, and he was naked, and all that, like, I mean, I think it's it's in that arena of sexual assault. It's just mm-hmm. what type i don't know yeah 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 right now that part i felt like because the reason why i bring it up is because his reaction to his response to it was to then be aggressive with her yeah saw how that whole scene played out and if you have not seen it it was very difficult to watch Mm -hmm. for me but it, it that would be my only complaint like they didn't I didn't like the way he worked out his issues with her physically after that. And I also didn't really understand the scene because it didn't give me a full context or insight into what happened. Mm. So that's my only, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that scene where he essentially did the same thing to her. Mm -hmm. Like, and and even high key, it wasn't even low key, guilted her back into wanting to be intimate or being intimate because she was putting her clothes back on. I had to really stop and think about what scene y'all are talking about. Now that I see it, I can't unsee it in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like that was troubling. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know on a wide scale and heartbreaking. And um. Yeah, and I just that was my only thing was just like I wish they took a little bit more time to explain that scene so people didn't get the wrong impression or I'm not quite sure but I mean I know they did show a lot of you know like um, rape culture mm-hmm. in the show there was a lot of it so I didn't know how to process that scene mm-hmm. yeah I didn't know how to process it like the best way to explain it yeah sorry if i made it heavy no it's okay no no we have these moments yeah usually uh, huh oh i was gonna say i do think it was it was well acted that Mm. you know as far as the show is concerned that all the different characters all the different actors playing the roles that they played, that they they did a good job. It didn't feel it didn't feel forced mm-hmm. or you know kind of like the more you know kind of forced or whatever. It was just like it felt like these were real people going through real things. You know, much much like what what Cook said is like what Degrassi uh, could be. Uh, as far as like in 2019 or what you would want it to be. Mm-hmm. Cause it was very, it, it felt very truthful. I think is really what it was. 
Right. It was. It was an honesty um, about it as far as what they were portraying. Like, these kids are just as confused and conflicted, but they're saying, this is my story. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is how we got here. This is where we are. And, what the, and it was their moment to say that. I feel like this was, and I never saw Degrassi. I, oh, man. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember where I was when Degrassi was happening. Like, when somebody told me Drake was on Degrassi, I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, he was wheelchair. And I was like, no, I mean, what the fuck is Degrassi? Like, oh, that was, wow. That was my level of it. Like, is that a new drug? Like, is that like bad <laughs> salts? Like, he was on Degrassi, but by the grace of God, <laughs> rehab, he's like free of it? But um, <laughs> wow! I felt like <laughs> this. I felt like Euphoria was when we were kids. There was this movie called Kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was edgy just for the sake of being edgy. It didn't really have a yeah. voice. It didn't really have anything to say. It was actually to the point where they accused the um the writer of child pornography um, because of the things that he depicted in the movie and the things that he got across in the movie. But there were also scenes in that movie that just starkly stand out in my head, like that nigga hitting the dude in the back of the head with the skateboard. Mm -hmm. Um, Euphoria felt like a better realized version of that, of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really enjoyed seeing how I, I enjoyed seeing the backstories for all these people and everything started from like a very young age, their issues started. It didn't start when they were freshmen in high school. I mean, it started at mm-hmm. a very young age. This happened, this thing right here happened. These things happened for Rue. It was from like a very young age she uh had ocd and and mania and 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 for yeah, the Cass- death of her father yeah so mm-hmm. for cassie it was her dad becoming a drug addict and it was just these stories really just it made my heart ache for these kids mm-hmm. um and to see the the results of what they went through in their childhood as they're seniors, they're still kids, you know, to see the results of what they're going through in their high school and how they're still dealing with it. It blew me. It, it really did blow my mind. Like the show, I, I didn't watch it initially. I started watching the first episode and then I turned it off and started watching something else and never went back until I think it was, maybe Stephanie was talking about it in a group or maybe it was Charmaine from the main hustle uh, podcast network. Um, but somebody was talking about it and I was like, you know what, let me go back and watch this. It might've been you cook. It might've been, mm. I don't know. It was one of y'all niggas, one of y'all niggas <laughs> talking about euphoria. And I was like, I want to see it. So I went back and I watched that shit and it was incredible. Mm, visually stunning. Right? Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm scary Mm. like because it was scary to me not because of what's going on in their world 
it was scary to me because of the younger sibling seeing that her whole life and pretty much trying to step into that world as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there not being any sort of way to make that stop. Like Rue trying to do it is like a blind man leading a blind man into a dark room. Because mm-hmm. even though she's got the experience and got the ideas, she's still blaming Fez for her drug addiction. You know, so she's still a kid. Mm-hmm. Kids don't take responsibility. Kids don't have that mindset all the time. So a kid can't really teach a kid how to be a better person when they haven't even reached their full Super Saiyan level. That's all. So I'm scared. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't realize Gia was until just now. You know what? You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a tough scene to watch her, uh, especially, you know, at the party when they were trying to get her to do drugs, and mm-hmm. Rue was like, no, and then they threw her past up in her face, like, that was just awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Troy and Roy can get these hands. <laughs> Troy and Roy, oh my Troy God. and Roy. <laughs> but she got, she got, she got him in the end, though, pretending to talk about how she was going to have Omar and and Weebay right come and get him or whatever that was perfect (laughs) because it was so because that was you know it's clearly a disconnect between you know like they don't seem that far away in age but there clearly is a disconnect as far as the media that they've encountered because mm-hmm. Troy and Roy had no point of reference right. they were with like, those Who? names. <laughs> yeah. And that was just like, oh man, y'all slipping so hard. Man. So hard. It was hilarious when she did that. Right. Like, man, that quick thinking, bro. Quick thinking. And that's probably what made that that's the other part that made the show good is that there were these really hardcore like you know hard moments to deal with but there were parts that were funny that were just interesting to just kind of watch you know like or when uh what is it it wasn't funny but it was mm-hmm. interesting to watch when Rue was doing the whole uh uh, police thing, you know, mm-hmm. like she was trying to solve the case, you know, of what happened and everything. And it was just like, there were those elements of the show that didn't go as deep down and, and serious, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what it, it had a balance of the serious stuff and the not so serious stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought that everything was amazing. I thought mm-hmm. that Jules was phenomenal. Um, I thought that the storyline regarding Cal and Nate was heartbreaking. Uh, not from Cal's standpoint, that motherfucker needs to go to jail like hella quick, like yesterday with the quick fast. But Nate growing up in that, you know, in that environment and seeing that he had to like really bury himself in a persona of I'm going to be a perfectionist. But fuck me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No love. No no love for Nate. And maybe that and maybe that's another good thing with this show is showing 
basically the the sinister white male you know the young sinister white male because like even in his kind of sympathy even in his moments of sympathy he still was like a really fucked up person he was oh yeah he was just so so terrible and conscious of his terribleness and wielded it you know he wielded his ability to be believed to be listened to and mm-hmm. use that against people and that's a real thing that happens and other people you know whether it's people who of our uh, a lower class or just if it's a woman will you know are on the losing ends of those types of white men mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah because i hated nate <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't feel sorry for him he uh, fuck me when i saw his backstory i did but after what he did to jules and and to tyler yeah it went away it went away right quick yeah but you know when it was first starting off like nah he's an abusive power hungry asshole but when they did the backstory you know, the first thing when he was a little kid, it was like, damn, he had a tough growing up. And then it he was did like, not. He found out his dad had a had a, had a fetish and was um, 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 a pedophile. Yeah, sadist. And <laughs> he found that shit out. And instead of growing up to be a better person, he followed in his footsteps. Yeah. No, no, no I fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I felt what is it? Did I feel bad for Nate? No, because I, no, I was calling his ass All-American Monster. I was tweeting his ass All-American. I was tweeting All-American Monster. I know, you know, it was just like, nah, he's, it doesn't matter. You know, like, yeah, it was fucked up. Like, whatever, how you felt about yourself as a child and everything. But, like, the world is setting you up and you are embracing the the sinisterness that you could be and you, you in that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, right. he was shitty, and he was shitty to McKay about about Cassie, Cassie. which led, you know, which um, which fueled, I'm sure, McKay's whole, you know, which fueled the whole, his, his whole interaction with Cassie, mm-hmm. you know, which he just wasn't a good friend to him, you know, and he just was probably a shitty partner, and then, you know, and is like a psychopath, you know, doing what he did to... Uh, to that Tyler kid, even though, you know, the girl was clearly too young to be fucking with a 22 year old dude, mm-hmm. you know, and he was too old to be there, mm-hmm. but they did in that moment, it was, you know, she wanted to, and he wanted to, and Nate turned it into uh, a whole rape thing. Mm-hmm. And it was fucked up and it's just, you know, and it was all, you well, not all orchestrated by Nate. Cause then, cause I can't think of the little girl's name. Jules. No, not Jules. The other, his girlfriend. Maddie. You know, she, Maddie. Yeah. She, she, you know, became part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did. And she covered for him. Yeah. And <sighs> fuck Nate. Okay. I mean, that's I really, really wish that could be the title. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, that's really what it comes down to is Nate. Nate was a fucking problem because he really put so many people in a fucked up position. He put so mm-hmm. many people in a fucked up position and, and knows that he can put people in a fucked up position because the way he was talking to, uh, the way he was talking to Rue in the final episode, yeah. you know, kind of like what the fuck, you know, she going to leave you and all this, you know, just, you know, just being an all around terrible person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did oh, kind of wish the feds had shot him, but I don't want feds to go to jail because I like feds. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably good that mm-hmm. Nate didn't die. I think if this is a different show, Nate does die. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because he deserved to die. But I think in the context of what this show is, Nate probably doesn't die. Nate probably gets to graduate high school mm-hmm. and go to college. And, and takes over his get, dad's business. Yeah, takes over his dad's business or get married or just whatever it is. He gets to ascend and maybe that, and that's what's also fucked up too. Mm-hmm. But truthful is yeah. that a lot of times these terrible people, they get to make it, whatever making it is. And everybody mm-hmm. else who's more kind, who's more caring gets uh, you know they end up being under that person's foot as they're yeah. trying to make it right right absolutely euphoria is on hbo uh you can check it out on hbo go and hbo now right now like the entire season you can watch it on demand and after you watch that just follow up with the absolutely excellent and wonderful black lady sketch show which um <laughs> is not only a wonderful palate cleanser for any blues you may have, but it is fucking incredible and hilarious. So there's that. <laughs> and I didn't even get paid. <laughs> Go ahead and do your shout outs. Um, shout out to you guys for having me. Thank you. Um, shout out to the Coochie Crew. You know who you are. MC Brains, right? MC Brains is a part of that. <laughs> la la la. I am the brains and I'm up to par. So <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to get down with it about that. <laughs> when I give it that. <laughs> when I let him see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, that was, I was in middle school when I was out, so that was like the shit. You know what I'm saying? At one point in time, right? Well, uh, doing the Uchi Coochie. Uh, that used to be back when um, Biv Ten. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. yeah. <laughs> we talked about that on the episode called "White Guys." Oh wow! Yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead and do your shout out. <laughs> um, shout out to um, highly inappropriate. Um, got some more new content coming on the way for everybody so that you can hear um, just things from my ridiculous point of view and um, also having a live show next weekend on September 7th in Maryland so if you are up that way come see us Um, we're gonna have a grand old time we'll have food drinks libation you'll love it you'll love it so um, you can hit me up for the link and as always you can catch me on IG at cook underscore Simmons. And you can catch me on Twitter occasionally at the cooking cooch because that shit hasn't changed. 
Um, yeah, and uh, you always find me in these Facebook streets. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you guys again for having me. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Shante? Uh, as usual, thank you for rocking with us. Thank you for sharing the show. You know, shout out to the people who listen to the show. You know, y'all don't always holler at us and let us know that you're listening to the show, but for the people who do, or just for the people who just, you know, who are just listening to us and just silently rocking with us, we appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the silent folks are the ones who are praying for you to keep going. Real yeah. talk. And that's all we need sometimes. I, I, I used to really think about that shit. Like, I remember I wrote a whole article about that, and that was a firestorm and a half for your ass. Uh, about lazy ass people who listen to your show but never give you any feedback. People did not like that at all. I got a lot of feedback for that shit. <laughs> um, and now it's like 10 years later, maybe more, and people are asking me, yo, how do I get more support? How do I get more listeners? How do I get this, that, and the third? And I'm like, yo, it comes with time. Everything comes with time. Like, you got listeners right now, but the ones you got right now, you need to really rock with them. Like, you really need to vibe with them and just stick with them and just grow this. And we don't always want to do that. We never really grow what we got. But we got good folks out there. And we appreciate y'all. And, um, Cook, I appreciate you coming through literally at a moment's notice. Like, we had talked about this earlier today, but it wasn't like three weeks off like in a scheduling thing, it was like, yo, what's cracking? You got something going on today? And you was like, nah, well, let me check, nigga, and then I'll get back at you. And we was able to get together and do this. And that's special to me. <laughs> that really means a lot to me, like real talk, because to be able to have people who are like, yo, I see what y'all are doing. I like your vibe. I'll get down and rock with y'all at a moment's notice. That That's bigger than hip hop to me. That's that's deep. <laughs> a lot of folks don't think about it like that, but I I mean, so many people, I mean, I have to be honest, so many people have done it for me. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I I get it. And it. I still, to this day, am just, I'm always just kind of like shocked like when I hit people up like hey you want to come on the show they're like yeah I'm like oh damn <laughs> like okay <laughs> so it um I listen there's this nothing because like I said it's Labor Day we got out early today they let us go like two hours early so I was able to run errands you know do my thing hang out for a little bit so I just decided I was like I'm gonna take the weekend off I was like I'm not gonna do anything and so when you hit me up and I finished running my errands, actually, like right before the trip, I was like, hey, like, I'm like, I'm really getting ready to go in the house right now. Like, I'm done hanging and chilling for the day. I was like, yeah, I got some time. So it's, listen, anytime. And same goes for you guys. You know, you're always welcome over at Highly Inappropriate. Anytime. Appreciate that. I need to make another T-shirt. Be on the lookout. We got a few T-shirts coming out soon. Um, one was... Uh, fuck y'all neithers. Uh, shots out to Stephanie. Um, <laughs> and, no. and whoever the dude was from Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Um, Karamo. Um, another one is, damn it, I just went blank. This happens to me all the time. We got some new uh, logos coming out for the show. We'll make some shirts out of, out of those. Um, God damn it. 
I went blank and it was hella good and it was hella funny. And I'll still make the shirt and it'll just pop up. Um, but we appreciate y'all. And it's getting dark sooner. Uh, it's taking longer to get dark or to get light in the morning. And so for those of y'all who, before I say that, before I say that, before I close out, um, Ace, we love you. And I just want to thank you for being the person that you are. I think that you're an amazing person. Your uh, blog, uh, Lithium to Lashes, is so important and so vital for so many people. And uh, we got your back, no matter what. I just wanted you to know that. You don't have to check on anybody if you don't want to. And I'm not going to uh, say check on your strong friends, check on your weak friends, check on anybody. I'm just going to say do unto others as you will want them to do unto you. Because real talk, if you are the type of person who doesn't like to be reached out to, then you probably don't want to reach out to folks. For some people, that's like scarier than being alone. Reaching out, taking that step. And I feel that. Uh, for some people, you need that contact and you don't want to be alone. And I feel that. So whatever is your comfort level, do that for your friends. Even if it's just a text message one day saying, you know, um, you're a good person. I love you. Something. People need to read that. People need to know that they're not alone or people need to be left alone if that's what they want to do. I mean, you know, whatever, whatever. Single simulcast. Uh, episode 347 she's Shante she's cook I'm really pointing too by the way if y'all ever wonder if while I'm saying this I'm pointing yes I can't help that I'm literally pointing to my side like Shante's on the side of me she's Shante then I'm pointing across the table she's cook I shouldn't I shouldn't have revealed that like y'all probably thought that we were in the same house all this time we're not just really good sound quality but she is Shantae. She is cooking. I really did just want to get. Oh, that was the shirt. I'm going to make another shirt. It says Brandy did that shit. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> See? Wow. Please don't. Like, if okay. you do, like, only don't. Only you can wear it. Like, you okay. can't sell it. <laughs> okay. I won't sell it. I, I won't even make myself one. Shantae is the voice of reason. Like, often on this show. <laughs> like, she keeps getting beat up a lot. Um, thank y'all so much for listening thank you so much for being here we greatly appreciate each and every one of y'all in a way that we can't fully convey uh, y'all be good damn it I did mention that I said that to a bunch of white people in a meeting right so Cook before we close out for real this time I was in a meeting it was like the regional manager meeting for my for my government office so like all of them from California all came to the headquarters office and I had to present something to them mm-hmm. and it's all white guys. And now the first thing I noticed is like, it's like 20 white guys in this room, old white dudes. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking and I'm being great. You know, I'm being me, being Rashani, being awesome. And I close out my thing, my part by saying, all right, thank you so much. Y'all be good. Peace. Which is the same way I closed out single simulcast. And I was like, oh, shit. I really said to a bunch of white people. How did they respond? How did they react to that? I, I left. I ran. I literally ran. <laughs> out the- I didn't even think, 
I ran out the room. So I don't know how they responded. I haven't seen any of them since. <laughs> what if they broke out into applause? Like, they might. They might. The best speech they ever heard. It might have been a golf clap where somebody started off like this. I've tried to do that before. It never works, but I ran. But, oh, man. Oh, man. I, I, now, it all is I, what it is. And all I hear is the Benny Hill music of you running out. Like, <laughs> like you done booked it out to the auditorium. <laughs> that nigga was good. Um, but to our listeners, thank you so much. We greatly appreciate it. Um, y'all be good. Peace. Peace. Single simulcast. Don't know by now that you slipped.